The following message is a teaching by Dr. Jason DeRoshi, Associate Professor of Old Testament at Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information about Jason can be found at deroshi-meyer.org. So what we're going to do, Lord willing, is take a flyby the Old Testament. Now my flybys are a little longer than others, so uh, just sit back and enjoy the ride. Keep all hands and feet inside your chair. Um, so the flyby will come over probably a couple years. And, but today, believe it or not, we're going to go through the whole of Scripture. And I pray that God will um, give you a set of glasses that as we begin to walk through Jesus' Bible... That's the goal. The Bible Jesus used, the Old Testament. A gospel-centered glance at his Bible. That's what I want to do. So we're going to be walking through from Genesis to Chronicles. Jesus' Bible ended with Chronicles, not with Malachi. All the same books, just a different order. In time, we'll see why I believe that's very, very important. Uh, Jesus called us to find him, but he didn't call us to find him generally through his Old Testament. He said, find me through the law of Moses, then through the prophets, then through the writings. To look at him through that trajectory, and I think it actually will disclose some things, but that'll be January or so. So we're going to start out today considering what Jesus thought of his Bible. Where did he see it heading? And what did Paul have to say? And then I hope that I can give you a helpful tool for remembering the flow of all history from creation to consummation, from the beginning to eternity. Let's pray. Father, we do not take lightly the fact that we can gather together freely in this place. We praise you for freedom of religion because... The Muslims can worship as they will. The Buddhists can worship as they will. The Sikhs can worship as they will. We can gather and we praise you for such freedom. We pray that you would enliven our hearts with a clear vision that you are the ultimate Savior, Sovereign, Satisfier. As we walk through the first three-fourths of your Bible, we pray that you would awaken a clearer vision and sense of our need for a Savior, our need for a ruler, our need for a satisfier. And may we find you as the one, as the one who can pull us out of darkness into light, as the one who can lead us in the path of life, as the one who can Give us joy, complete and lasting. May Jesus be made much of in the weeks and months to come. Help me to open your word faithfully in a way that, as it was intended by you, exalts Jesus and motivates missions for the sake of worship, for the sake of kingdom glory. In Christ I pray. Amen. All right, I'm in 
I, I, I tried to make photocopies today and it did not work. So what I have is very nice green plain paper for you, but I'm anticipating you're going to want to take some notes. I'm, I think you will. So uh, I, I will pass out handy nice green paper. When Jesus thought about his Bible, where did he see it going? Number one, Jesus saw himself as the one to which all the Old Testament was pointing. In him was the hope. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill. That's what I'm here for. Fulfillment. There's been a trajectory that's been set, and I am the culmination, says Jesus. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms might be fulfilled. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. If you believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. I hope we read about him. Jesus saw himself as the the fulfillment of all the Old Testament hopes. They were pointing to him. Well, when he talked about what he was doing then, it can give us clarity about what he saw the Old Testament being about. Jesus said his mission of fulfillment was a mission focused, centered on the kingdom of God. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well because I came for this reason. That's striking. I am here to make God's sovereignty over all things, that he alone is the answer to the world's problems. I'm here to make much of him. That's what I'm here for. And I can't just preach it to you. I've got to go tell the rest. There's a problem that needs a solution. I am it. The kingdom has come. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Seek first my righteousness, my kingdom, and my righteousness. Pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If the demons flee at my word, know this, the kingdom of God is among you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, in light of that universal authority over all death, over all sin, over your pain, your problems, your struggles. I am the King. Now, make disciples who will follow me, savor me, treasure me, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Both before His resurrection and after His resurrection, it was the Kingdom of God that was driving Jesus. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. And what did he talk about? Here's the summary, and this is going to be significant momentarily. This is the beginning of Acts. Who wrote Acts? Luke. He has another book in our Bible. And in that book, he's going to tell us what Jesus was teaching after his resurrection. And he doesn't mention the kingdom there. But at the beginning of his second book, he summarizes that all that talk was kingdom talk. So we're going to go back to Luke shortly and take a peek at 
can you unpack for me what you mean by this kingdom? The nature of Jesus' kingdom preaching focused on this. Here it is. Focused on his work as Messiah, the hope of all the Old Testament that an offspring of a woman would be born who would finally definitively crush the head of the serpent. All that is hostile to God. Abraham, I don't have the heir through whom the promise would come. And Abraham believed God and it was counted to him righteousness. When God took him out and said, look at all the stars. Every single star in the sky is hope for you that indeed I will bring the one. And a star will rise from Jacob. And the scepter will be in his hand. And when that one star rises, all the light of the other stars will grow dim. He is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the coming Deliverer. And when he would come, God's ministry would go global. Here's what Jesus said. So here's Acts. After he rose from the dead, he preached about the kingdom. Here's the end of Luke. After he rose from the dead... Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations from beginning from Jerusalem. Thus it is written. The, I should have, I think I skipped a verse that I wanted to include. It simply says, He unpacked for them the message of the Scripture. He's going to give, here's where it was headed. Here's where my Bible was going. It was about me putting an end to death, overcoming and establishing life. And it was about you experiencing that and letting the rest of the world know peace with God is possible. Messiah and missions. Jesus emphasized that the same good news of the kingdom that he preached would be preached to the end of the world. He considered that though he was fulfilling all Old Testament hopes, that those Old Testament hopes would be continued in his body. It's striking that Acts begins this way. O Theophilus, you know what I wrote in my former book regarding all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And Luke ends with Jesus' ascension into heaven. And that's what he... So from the point of his birth up to the point of his ascension, that's only what he began to do and to teach. That tells me that the book of Acts is about what he continued to do and to teach. This is about the acts of not simply the apostles. It's the acts of not simply the Spirit through the apostles. It's the acts of the Spirit of Christ through the apostles. As the church begins to expand and the mission begins fulfilled, What Jesus said would happen is happening in this gospel of the kingdom. It's good news of the kingdom. God reigns. You struggle with sin. He's bigger. You feel enslaved. He can defeat it. He reigns. The kingdom is real. There's hope. This is everything to us. This gospel, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations. And then the end will come. So Paul picks up where Jesus left off. Paul's Old Testament preaching was nothing other than the preaching of the kingdom. The preaching of the kingdom of God climaxing in Jesus. Here's Paul. 
Three years in Ephesus. Listen to how he says. He summarizes all of his time with the Ephesians. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish the course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. So Jesus passed on to him a ministry and his entire life is consumed by it. What is that ministry? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's what Paul was about. But now notice what he says. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Well, was it good news of the gospel of God's grace or was it kingdom that he was preaching? Yes! The kingdom is bound up not just in God being supreme over all. The flip side of that is that he loves the world. God is most glorified most esteemed, shown to be the king over all things when we are most satisfied in him. What I'm about to do will be for the glory of God and for the glory of his son. Jesus loved Lazarus. It's not time to go. Lazarus is going to die because Jesus loved Lazarus. It was about the glory of Jesus and it was about the love for Lazarus and both are there. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three, three years I didn't cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears regarding the gospel of the grace of God, regarding the kingdom of God. This is the summary that Paul has. From morning till evening he expounded to them. What was he expounding? He was testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from where? From Jesus' Bible. That the Bible of Paul and Jesus, what we call the Old Testament, had a focus to it. It was about the kingdom of God. That there was a trajectory, that, that there was a framework in which all of the teaching of the Old Testament pointed. It was about the kingdom proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. So it's the kingdom talk, and it has something to do with this Messiah. Christ is Greek for the Hebrew Mashiach, Messiah. So it has something to do with Messiah. Paul, can you help us anymore? Can you unpack for us what you mean by the kingdom and by Jesus, the Messiah? What's the nature of your teaching? Paul stressed how this kingdom message pointed both to Messiah and to missions. To Jesus' death and resurrection to the fruit of missions that would flow from it. Here he is in Acts 26. I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. This is it. Let me summarize it for you. That Christ must suffer. It's focused on Christ. And that by being the first to rise from the dead, He would proclaim light both to the people, to our people, and to the Gentiles. To Jew and those who are not Jews alike, the gospel of God's grace. Missions would spring. True encounters with the work of Christ should spark boldness in mission. And Paul found that from the prophets and from Moses. 
So we're going to take a nice long vacation looking from above and sometimes flying in and doing a little excursion at how the Old Testament provides a foundation like the basis of a house. It it sets the shape and the structure and it's in light of how much the fulfillment is going to be, the, the foundation has to be set in a certain way. It has to be deep enough to hold the rock-solid foundation that will bring great glory to the God. New Testament fulfillment, Old Testament foundation, and we're going to try to understand the foundation that points ultimately to Messiah and missions and can be summarized as kingdom. So let's just spend the rest of our time walking through the big picture, a kingdom picture. This is about God's kingdom. God saves, God rules, and God satisfies through Jesus. What's the first thing we read about in our Bible? Seven stages in God's kingdom building program. Seven stages, and by this I hope you can leave here today Refreshing in your mind, I want to know how to fit all of my key players, all the key events, where do they go and how do they all come together. The Old Testament and the New together shape a giant storybook. Pastor John has called it the story of God's glory. And I'm going to unpack that story for us through seven stages First thing that happened in, the old, in, in our Bibles, what was it? Creation, followed by a fall, and then a second fall that climaxed in world destruction. The flood. My shorthand title, Kickoff and Rebellion. So I've got a leaf up here and there's darkness on one side. Kickoff and rebellion. God sets out. He alone is supreme. And in the overflow of His Godness, He creates. At the pinnacle of His creation is human, is, is mankind. But as soon as we find ourselves in the pages of Scripture, we're looking in Genesis 1 to find ourselves. We can't look along because we are the image of God. We are created to display Him, to be pointers to Him. And then He says, imagers, fill the earth so that I might be made great to the ends of the earth, that my glory may fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. Be fruitful, multiply. And Adam and Eve turn on God. They fall short of His glory. They fail to display Him rightly. They take a right that was never given to them to to decide in their own terms what is good and what is evil. 
But before God even judges, before He brings judgment on humanity at all, He gives the gospel promise. Before Eve is judged, before Adam is judged, God says there will be an offspring that will come forth from the woman. A male offspring who will definitively crush the head of the serpent. And this is the basis upon which all hope in the Bible rests. It's the hope for a male descendant of a woman who would look like God rather than look like the serpent. Who would be for God, about imaging God. Creation, fall, flood, K is kickoff and rebellion. What comes after the fall of flood? We have 70 nations who were created that flow out of Noah, and God focuses on one of them. Who? Israel. Israel is the name of Jacob, and Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, the whole group called the patriarchs. And God says, My focus is on them, but it's not just for them. Through you, through you, you're going to be a channel through whom all the world will be blessed. The world's problem is going to be answered through Israel. And not only through Israel, God sets, gives specific promises to Abraham. Oh yes, your offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, but your offspring will possess the gate of his, not their, enemies. And through your offspring, a singular male descendant, all the world will be blessed. And then at the end of Genesis, the scepter will not depart from Judah. I'm going to raise up one ruler who will establish global peace. Through Israel, operating as an instrument of blessing. God establishes a relationship, a partnership. He makes a pledge with Abraham. Two hands side by side, intimately linked. And he says, through you, the world's problem is going to get fixed. Instrument of blessing is I. After the patriarchs, Joseph being the last, 400 years in Egypt in slavery, and then God remembers. And what happens? What's the next big event? Exodus. And God leads them out of Exodus. First takes them where? And he gives them instructions for how to follow him. Where? Sinai. But then Israel, right away, fails to account for the glory of God. They take God lightly. Here there's supposed to be a kingdom of priests within a world that has a need so that the world can come to meet God through Israel. God calls them, you are my son. They are the son of God through whom the world is to encounter God. And they miss the glory and at the golden calf and then again with the twelve spies. They don't take their mission well. They fail to believe, Numbers 14.11. How long will it be that you don't believe in me? It was a faith problem that Israel had. And they enter into 40 years where? In the wilderness. Exodus, Sinai, and wilderness is the next stage. It's here, here that God moves from a small family into a nation. He redeems them and He commissions them as a kingdom of priests. 
N, nation redeemed and commissioned. K, say it with me. Kick off, come on, be bold. Kick off in rebellion, I. Instrument of blessing, N. Nation redeemed and commissioned. Israel's in the wilderness and God's not done with them. His final word is never curse, it's blessing. And he is heading them somewhere and he's going to take them all the way there. What is that place? The promised land. Every kingdom needs progeny and property. You need the people and you need a context where you can enjoy relationship with the king. God moves them into, whoops, forgot my drawing. What is that? A pyramid, okay. And what are these? It's people leaving the pyramids. Okay, so. All right, so. They move in. They're given the word by grace. They move into the land. Always, always, we have to remember, they're hoping for something. At least the small group that was in them. They're hoping for that remnant. They're hoping for that one individual who would rise up. And finally, definitively, put an end to evil. But only the remnant were there. Most of Israel was about looking like the nations. They become like the Canaan they were supposed to clean out. God does raise up some kings. After the period of the judges, He raises up some kings. One of them provides a picture for the ultimate triumphant male deliverer. Straight all the way back to Adam, who would finally image God rightly, display the Lord the way he should. He would be a man of the book as Moses commissioned. He said the king needs to be a man of the word who's not a leader over the people. He's a leader of the people. And a man under authority. God is big in his life. And when the people look at this king, they should see God seated on the throne of his heart. All the while building more hope. When's this darkness going to end? But the darkness increased. Conquest and kingdoms. Northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. All because of sin. This is about government in the promised land. And most of the government went sour. So Israel finally arrives and the promised land is a picture of the garden of eden israel was supposed to be what adam was supposed to be sadly israel was what adam was they didn't display that god was great in their lives they didn't serve as pointers to him rather they were the kings And the same pride that resulted in the tower of babel influenced and infiltrated the hearts of israel They were supposed to be on mission in hope of the Messiah. And instead, they turned their eyes elsewhere. And so, what happened to the nation? What happened to them? They didn't stay in the land. Like Adam, who got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, what happens to Israel? They got kicked out of the Promised Land. They got hiked off to Mesopotamia and to Egypt. We call it the exile. And after 70 years, God let a small remnant return. Exile and initial restoration. 
They were dispersed, and then they returned. K, say it with me. Kick off in rebellion. I, instrument of blessing. N, nation redeemed and commissioned. G, government in the promised land. D, dispersion and return. But when they returned, all that they had hoped would come about had not yet come. They didn't have the Messiah. They didn't have the Spirit. Indeed, they were still being oppressed by foreign enemies. Ezra even calls himself a slave and he's living in Jerusalem. And so the hope that started in Genesis keeps going. A kingdom hope. God, are you going to show up? When are you going to show up? And we hear the voices of this remnant in books like the Psalms. Ecclesiastes, Job. The remnant didn't necessarily write all that's in these books, but they were the ones who put the books in the order at that point in the Old Testament that we have. They, they're the ones who, who said, these are the words that people who are in suffering need to read about. When everything is taken away, what do I do? Does Job fear God for nothing? No, he fears God not because of what God gives, but because of who God is. Or the writer of Ecclesiastes, life just doesn't make sense. That's where the exiles were. It didn't make sense. And God gives us this book at this particular point in the Old Testament to say, are you living in a world that doesn't make sense? For you, it's like trying to grasp reality is like trying to shepherd wind. Come on, over here. It's impossible. And the book of Ecclesiastes say, if you're living in that kind of a world, a cursed world, where life doesn't make sense, we have a shepherd a shepherd who is all wise, who has been upholding all things from the beginning of time to the end of the time. And if your world doesn't make sense, trust the shepherd who's been shepherding well. Fear him and keep his commandments. Lamentations, the aches of a ex exiled people who are saying, God, how long? Why this hard? Why us? And they know it's because of our sin. And God says, I reign. My mercies are new every morning. Keep hoping for dawn. It's coming. And then Daniel comes. King of kings and Lord of lords, all the kingdoms of the earth will pay homage to him. Esther, oh, it may seem like God's not existent indeed. We won't even put his name in the book. But know this, he is preserving his people. Ezra and Nehemiah, He's bringing them back to the land. It's starting, but it's only initial. Dispersion and return. The Old Testament provides foundation for the biblical scheme. And right here, we shift from Old Testament to new. We move from foundation to fulfillment. And it happens with the coming of Christ. Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, 
That's the first sentence in our New Testaments. Jesus, the hope of the nations, the son of David, the ideal king in the Old Testament, the son of Abraham, the one through whom God promised the world would be blessed. Jesus comes as the culmination of all these Old Testament hopes. And then we get a mystery. A mystery that Christ would come as Savior first and only later as conquering King. Christ's work and the church age. It's an age... Okay, I should have done that in a different color. Anybody know what that is? Let me, let me, let me color in the ground. It's, it's trying to be a globe. Okay? Iceland, uh, Greenland shouldn't be green. Okay. And then into this world, into this world, Christ comes. And his mission far expands his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. For he, he goes global through his people. And his mission is a testimony that death is conquered. Your pain has an answer. You need a comforter. You can finally be reconciled to the God of the universe who holds all things in His hands. But it doesn't mean all your pain will stop right away. I've drawn this picture many times. We call it, here's where we live, right in here. It's the overlap of the ages. The overlap between the old and the new. And that's the O. Christ's work in the church age is the overlap between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of light is intruding. It's an overlap between old creation and Adam and new creation and the last Adam. It's the shift from the age of death to the age of life. And that age of life is intruding in the person of Christ. And the age of death is slowly coming to an end in the person of Christ. It's the overlap of the ages. And so here we wait, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. In this overlap between being part, truly part of the new age, the new covenant, the new kingdom, and yet still living in the old but this is our goal. Christ's return and kingdom consummation. He's coming. He's coming. And when He comes, all the hopes that were but pictures will finally be realized and Jesus will be definitively King over all the world. Anybody idea, have an idea what M, what M might stand for? Marriage? That's a nice idea. Maybe I was thinking about a movie instead. Maybe that's what was on my brain. What the devil may have wanted to view as mission impossible is now mission accomplished. We start out in the garden. Everything goes bad all in order to bring about God's global purposes in Christ. 
Okay, try to do it without looking at the screen and without looking at your notes. K, kick off in rebellion. I, instrument of blessing. N, nation redeemed and commissioned. G, government in the land. D, dispersion and return. O, overlap of the ages. M, mission accomplished. We have a bunch of children who know lots of stories. I get them when they're 18. I fill up a board with all the people they know about and all the stories they know about and they have a lot of trouble fitting them into the big story of God's glory. This is an easy way to pass it on. K-I-N-G-D-O-M. Foundation set in the Old Testament. Fulfillment climaxing in the person of Christ in the New. God saves, rules, and satisfies through Jesus. It's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about all for the glory of God. We're going to spend the next two years or so my goal is to get through Kings, if I can, get through Kings by May. Just so you can know that there's a target and I've already created my syllabus. Okay? So my goal is to get through right here. No. Yeah. Halfway through here. The exile. Kings gets us through the exile. So really where we're going is up to the end of number four. That's my goal for this year and then to finish the history next year. And I pray that the one we find is the Messiah. And I pray that by God's grace, when we find Him, it will motivate us to be a different kind of people on mission. Let's pray. Not to us, O Lord, but to Your name be all the glory. You are the King of all kings. And You reign through Your Son who is worthy of all praise, upon whom all authority in heaven and on earth rests, and he is with us always to the end of the age. We trust in him. We look to him for hope and help. Please, by your grace, meet us in these coming weeks. Meet us as we simply walk through your word and try to put on our investigating eyes and say, Lord, help me to see Jesus. He said He was here. Help me to see Him. And may it motivate us to be a different kind of people who are moved, compelled to love by pointing others to the risen Son of God. We pray these things for His glory and for our good, for the good of Your work on a global scale. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the ministry of Dr. Jason DeRoshi, Associate Professor of Old Testament at Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Jason DeRoshi.
For more information on Bethlehem College and Seminary, we invite you to visit online at bcsmn.org. For more information on Dr. DeRoshi, visit online at deroshi-meyer.org. Proclaiming the kingdom and treasuring a God who rules, saves, and satisfies through covenant for his glory in Christ.